Welcome to our BMI Sunday Online Fellowship. Thank you for joining us. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we do again uh, come to you uh, thanking you for this uh, Sabbath day that you've given to us. Uh, thank you for the way you've taken care of us throughout this week. And now at the beginning of this new week, uh, we look to you. We pray that you might bless each aspect of our fellowship, the Bible study, the questions and answers, the time of uh, reading the scriptures later this evening, and just pray for your will to be done and pray that your people will be edified and that they would be strengthened and encouraged by your word. And we thank you that we have this day, uh, Father, to spend all day, uh, Father, in your word and in prayer and in thanksgiving for all that you have done for your people and continue to do. And so we commit this time to you and ask these things with grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first hymn is going to be Eternal Father, Strong to Save.
our next hymn is going to be From Every Stormy Wind That Blows. Our next hymn is going to be Faith of Our Fathers.
Welcome to Searching the Scriptures. Our Bible teacher will be Gunther von Haringa Sr. In Acts 17.11 we read, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So without further ado, let's look into God's Word, the Bible. This is going to be 2 Peter 2, part 25, and today's date is April 29th, 2018. Shall we again ask for God's blessing upon this time? Father, we thank you that we've been able to spend quite a bit of time in the book of 2 Peter, and we pray that you would continue uh, to open our spiritual eyes as we behold wonderful things out of your law. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll go ahead and read uh, starting from Second Peter 2, verse 9, down to verse 17. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are when, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. And uh, we've taken a detour to consider some of the Old Testament verses having to do with Balaam uh, in the hopes of broadening our understanding of 2 Peter 2, 15 and 16. But I also want to bring up something else which is exceedingly important, and we've talked about this many times, but I think it's, it's worth mentioning again, and that is that one cannot arrive at spiritual truth without God's enabling. Uh, this, of course, uh, flies in the face of many who uh, teach and who adhere to the naive notion uh, that the Bible is simple and easy to understand. Uh, there's a word for that, and it's perspicuous. Uh, the Bible actually teaches just 
the opposite of that. As we read, for example, in Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And this will be a familiar verse to many because the two words, a thing and a matter, is the Hebrew word dabar, which is commonly translated as word. So we could say it is the glory of God to conceal a word, but the honor of kings who are spiritually believers is to search out a word. Just as we find in Acts 17, 11, uh, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, an excellent illustration of the fact that the Bible is absolutely not perspicuous is found in Luke 18, 31 to 34, because here we find a very straightforward account by the Lord to the 12 apostles in which he lays out what's going to happen shortly to him in Jerusalem. And uh, in verse 34, God has inserted three different verbs to underscore the fact that even though this was very plain, straightforward language, the apostles could not understand what he was speaking about. I'll read that, uh, Luke 18, 31 to 34. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which are spoken. The word understood is Strong's number 4920. The word hid is crypto. It's Strong's number 2928. And the word knew they is Strong's number 1097. Now, I think there's also another possible reason for why God, maybe more, more than just one, but another uh, possibility here is the fact that God has included this curious verse along with the parallel accounts in Matthew 20, 17 through 19, Mark 10, 32 to 34, Luke 9, 31 to 32, and Lazarus 12, 16, in order to highlight the stupendous reality of the atonement prior to creation. Because what we find here in Luke 18, 31 to 34, are the events leading up and including the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. Uh, and uh, by, by, by doing this, God has, of course, throughout the entire church age, this idea that Christ was slain from the foundation of the world was not known. It's only uh, when God started pouring out 
uh, information from the Bible at the start of the Great Tribulation that we came in contact with these brand new doctrines, or uh, I should say, in certain cases like having to do with hell, there was a, a fine tuning of that so that we could properly understand the, the biblical, uh, the true biblical perspective on hell, which of course is the grave and annihilation. But wonderfully, uh, God has hidden this information according to His great wisdom and according to His timetable. Uh, as we read in Daniel 12, 4 and 9, where he told Daniel to seal up these things until the time of the end. Now these things are being unsealed. And, you know, this, this doctrine of Christ being slain from the foundation of the world is indeed a stumbling stone for many. But that's because they are not walking by faith. They are looking at at, at this physically. And we always have to look at the Bible first spiritually because the Bible is a spiritual book, uh, as we read in 1 Corinthians 10. And more than that, I think that in these uh, verses, God is really highlighting the magnificent splendor of the Lord Jesus Christ in the atonement that took place prior to the foundation of the world. Now, regarding about what we're reading in Numbers concerning Balaam and uh, Balak, we also want to bear in mind that these events would have taken place historically sometime during the first 40 years of the entrance into Canaan. And that took place in 1407 BC to 1367 BC, according to the biblical calendar. And during that time, the conquest of the land was spearheaded by Joshua, Moses' successor, and Othniel, the first judge, began uh, his uh, rule at that time. In Joshua 13, we read about the division of the land of Canaan, specifically to the nine and a half tribes that had not received their inheritance as of yet. The others already had. And in verse 22, we also read, Balaam, also the son of Beor, the soothsayer, did the children of Israel slay with the sword among them that were slain by them. Now, in our previous study, we began looking at one of the three locations in which the angel of Jehovah uh, appeared to Balaam, even though he didn't see the angel of Jehovah until God opened his eyes prior to his conversation with the donkey. We also got so far, uh, we, I'm sorry, we, we got so far as verse 23 of Numbers 22, and there are two more that we want to examine uh, today, and, and they are in verse 24, and also in verse 26. I'll read Numbers 22, 24. But the angel of Jehovah stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. The term uh, and stood is Strong's number 5975, 
and it also surfaces in the third phrase uh, or the third location found in Numbers 22:26. And the angel of Jehovah went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Now, uh, let's look at some illustrations of how God has chosen to use this word stand. Again, Strong's number 5975 uh, uh, in the context of judgment. We read, for example, in Exodus 17:6, where God is making this awesome uh, declaration to Moses uh, regarding the Lord Jesus Christ uh, spiritually. Behold, I will stand, that's our word, before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Uh, also in Nahum uh, 1.6, we find this pronouncement, who can stand? before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger. His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. Uh, Malachi 3.2 uh, likewise affirms, But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. The next expression in a path uh, in Numbers 22-24 is only found here, uh, no other place in the Old Testament. So we want to look at the next word, which is of the vineyards. And this term uh, of the vineyards, by the way, path is 49-34, vineyards is 37 54. And 3754 surfaces the most times out of any chapter in the Old Testament in Isaiah 5. Uh, and we shouldn't be surprised because that whole chapter is dealing with the vineyard. But we find the word in uh, verse 1, 3, and 4, 5, and 7. And spiritually, uh, it relates to God's judgment, which uh, fell upon the churches and denominations worldwide and without exception on May 21, 1988, after God used them for 1955 years, starting on May 22, 33 AD, going all the way to May 21, 1988. And you'll notice that uh, Judah and Jerusalem uh, that is spoken about here in Isaiah 5 represent the first external representation of the kingdom of God on earth. And the second external representation of the kingdom of God on earth has to do with the corporate churches that Judah and Jerusalem uh, typify. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, 
And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked, that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. We've seen this before, and wild grapes is really the words a stench. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. Verse 7, for the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Excuse me. The next example uh, of uh, uh, these three words uh, is in verse 26. This is the third location where we find um, uh, these, these words, and it stood in a narrow place. Uh, the same term, and stood, as I mentioned before, uh, is identical to the one in verse 24. So we want to look at the two words, in a narrow place. In a narrow is 68, 62, and place is 47, 25. And we find that these appear together in the following three passages. Uh, the first one is in 2 Kings 6, uh, 1 to 3, and both terms are found together in verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. We also find these two words in Hosea 5, uh, 15, and here this term for straight or narrow is rendered as affliction. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge God is speaking, uh, and of course uh, Israel is in, the, in view, till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Also, if we go to uh, Isaiah 49, 20, uh, we find this word there uh, in this uh, passage again. And I'll think of what I'll do, because it has various spiritual portraits uh, in this chapter. In Isaiah 49, we have uh, Christ in view, we have the latter rain, and particularly our present day of judgment as we see in verse 26 of Isaiah 49. But I'll read uh, verses 1 to 26 of Isaiah 49. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. 
Jehovah hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with Jehovah, and my work with my God. And now saith Jehovah, that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of Jehovah, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith Jehovah, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to, whom, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of Jehovah that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith Jehovah, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinim. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for Jehovah hath comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, Jehovah hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking, sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee, upon the palms of my hands, thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. 
Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, saith Jehovah, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, and bind them on, on thee as a bride doeth. For thy waste and thy desolate places and the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants. And they that swallow thee up shall be far away. The children which thou shalt have after thou hast lost the other shall say again in thine ears, the place is too straight. Those are our two words for me. Give place, it's repeated, to me that I may dwell. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, Who hath begotten me these? Seeing I have lost my children, and am desolate, a captive, and removing to and fro. And who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These, where had they been? Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders, and kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face toward the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet, and thou shalt know that I am Jehovah, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith Jehovah, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood, as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that I, Jehovah, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob." At this point, I'd like to take a closer look uh, at Numbers 22 uh, with regard to the following aspects. Uh, number one, the spiritual implications of the donkey's actions in each of these three locations that were just mentioned. Uh, number two, the ensuing charges that the angel of Jehovah levels against Balaam and his response. Uh, and number three, who or what the donkey symbolizes spiritually, uh, if God permits us. But today, I think uh, we'll only have enough time to focus on number one, the spiritual implications of the donkey's actions. And I'll read uh, verses 23 to 27 of Numbers 22 again. And the ass saw the angel of Jehovah standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of Jehovah stood in a path of the vineyards 
a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of Jehovah, she thrust herself unto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of Jehovah went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of Jehovah, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. Now, the statements that we want to investigate in verse 23, the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Uh, in verse 25, she thrust herself onto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And then in verse 27, she fell down under Balaam. You might recall that in an earlier study, we arrived at the conclusion that an ass or donkey uh, in the Bible can represent man spiritually, uh, either an elect or a non-elect, uh, depending on the context. And by keeping this uh, truth in mind, I think we'll be greatly aided uh, as we work through these passages. All right, in verse 23, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And here we have uh, four terms, uh, but because they don't appear together in any other passage, we're just going to break this down a bit and look at the first two, or the first, the second and the third, turned aside out of the way. Turned aside is Strong's number 5186. And out of the way is 1870. And here are some examples of how God uh, utilizes these two terms uh, in some of the other uh, places in Scripture. If we go to 1 Samuel 8, uh, 1 to 8, we read uh, this sad account, which reminds us of Eli's sons who were reprobate. And these two words surface in verse 3. Uh, here we find the sons of Samuel and what God has to say about them. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside, those are our two words, after lucre, or money, and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto Jehovah. And Jehovah said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. 
according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. In Job 24, 1-13, we uh, find the same uh, idea in verse 4, where these words appear again as they turn and out of the way. Why, seeing times are not hidden from the Almighty, do they that know Him not see His days? Some remove the landmarks, they violently take away flocks and feed thereof. They drive away the ass of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox for a pledge. They turn the needy out of the way. The poor of the earth hide themselves together. Behold, as wild asses in the desert, go they forth to their work, rising betimes for a prey. The wilderness yieldeth food for them and for their children. They reap every one his corn in the field, and they gather the vintage of the wicked. They cause the naked to lodge without clothing, that they have no covering in the cold. They are wet with the showers of the mountains and embrace the rock for want of a shelter. They pluck the fatherless from the breast and take a pledge of the poor. They cause him to go naked without clothing and they take away the sheaf from the hungry, which make oil within their walls and tread their wine presses and suffer thirst. Men groan from out of the city and the soul of the wounded crieth out, yet God layeth not folly to them. They are of those that rebel against the light they know not the ways thereof, nor abide in the paths thereof. Isaiah 30, uh, 8 through 14, follows in the same vein, in which these two terms are found in verse 11. Now go write it before them in a table, and note it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of Jehovah, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease, from before us. Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression, and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant, and he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal out of the pit. 
Uh, lastly, uh, Jeremiah 35:15 provides this commentary. I've sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear, nor hearkened unto me. The next two expressions that we find uh, uh, in verse 24 are, and went into the field, and went is 32.12, and field into the field is 77.04. Uh, they surface in 15 other citations together, and we'll just look at a few illustrations of how God uh, employs these two words. In Genesis 3.14, we note God's curse against Satan, in which these two words are rendered as, of the field, and thou shalt go. And Jehovah God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shall thou eat all the days of thy life. We also find these two terms uh, translated as come and of the field in 1 Samuel 17.44, which records Goliath's taunts to David. Uh, Goliath uh, represents Satan and, of course, David, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. And uh, we can also turn to Jeremiah 12, 9, which we've looked at before, and pictures national Israel as mine heritage and a speckled bird, which is slated for destruction. Mine heritage is unto me as a speckled bird. The birds round about are against her. Come ye, assemble all the beasts of the field. Come to devour. Uh, next, we can turn to Numbers twenty-two twenty-five, And uh, here uh, we find th this uh, uh, word, these words, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. And here we have uh, five uh, words, five Hebrew words. However, I'm sorry, six Hebrew words. Did I get the right one, two, three? Yeah, six Hebrew words. And two of them, however, are duplicated uh, in this verse. She thrust and crushed is the same word. It's Strong's number 3905. And herself under the wall and against the wall is Strong's number 7023. So let's look at this uh, first. She thrust herself unto the wall, 3905 and 7023. 
uh, they are uh, only found together in this one verse. So let's uh, go to the next one, which is, uh, and crushed and foot. Uh, crushed is 3905, foot is 7272. And these uh, two words appear in another uh, significant passage, which is 2 Kings uh, 6.32, and is actually found in the same chapter uh, as the terms in a narrow and place that we encountered earlier today in Numbers 22.26, uh, having to do with the third location in which the angel of Jehovah appeared. And the angel of Jehovah went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Uh, and these two words, uh, in a narrow and place, surface in 2 Kings uh, 6.1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. But I'd like to read uh, all, all of 2 Kings uh, 6, uh, just so we get the, the context. Uh, actually, verse uh, 33 is going to be the, uh, the last uh, verse, 1 to 33. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and they came to Jordan. They cut down wood, but as one was felling a beam, the axe had fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. 
And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Jehovah, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And Jehovah opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto Jehovah and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass, when they were coming to Samaria, that Elisha said, Jehovah, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And Jehovah opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If Jehovah do not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes. And he passed upon the wall and the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. Then he said, God do so more and more also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house 
and the elders sat with him. And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head? Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? Those are our two words. Uh, and hold him fast and feet. And while he yet talked with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of Jehovah. What should I wait for Jehovah any longer? Well, I think we'll stop here today. Lord willing, uh, next Sunday we'll uh, examine Numbers 22, 27, and continue our investigation of some of these other verses in this chapter uh, that have to do uh, with what God told Balaam and then his response uh, to uh, the angel of Jehovah. Uh, in summary, we saw the threefold judgment of the angel of Jehovah against Balaam in each of the three locations in Numbers 22, 23, 24, and 26. And we also saw the actions of the donkey also emphasize judgment in verses 23 and 25. Uh, if you're able to, please join us at 5.30 today for our question and answer. If you have any questions about today's study or if something was uh, unclear, uh, feel free to uh, ask a, an unrelated question or to make a comment if you'd like. Also, at 7.30 tonight, we'll have our half hour of thematic uh, Bible reading, uh, which we call uh, Think on These Things, if you're able to join us. And uh, let's uh, just close in a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you that we've been able to uh, spend some time in your word, and we pray that uh, you would continue to bless your people, to uh, minister to the needs that they have, wherever they might be around the world. We know, Father, that you are the one that is indeed uh, feeding your people uh, in accordance with your uh, wisdom and according to your own uh, timing. And we thank you for that. We recognize, uh, as uh, Jacob of old said, we don't deserve the least of your mercies or any of the truth that you have shown to us. Uh, and now we pray that you would continue to, to uh, bless your people throughout the rest of this day as we uh, attempt to keep our focus on things above. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us. And if you're able to join us for the questions and answers uh, and or the, um, the Bible reading later tonight, that, that would be great. Thank you for joining us today for Searching the Scriptures. Until next time, to God be the glory.